Okay, so with that, Patrick Chowton is the second Doctor, and he will take over for... Or, now, he's... If you ever seen Patrick Chowton as Doctor Who, he's got the... Uh, a shaggy Beatles-like haircut for him instead of the old man... Uh, instead of the old man persona. But they originally put the old man to uh, Sydney New and put a stop with it and, and just try you know, miss him around, miss his closing around. And, and just to make him look like a like a like a hobo or hippie type person. That was <laughs> uh, that was his words when in, the, in Troughton's first uh, story. So he saw Troughton's first story and just went, you know what we what Doctor Who needs space hobo. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> Just a reminder, this is a spoiler-heavy podcast. Different series that require a spoiler warning will be in the description. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Gaming Theater Podcast. Today's episode is going to be a very special episode, and it's going to be about the regenerations and attitude styles of the Doctors from Doctor Who. Now, joining me on this episode for this, it's going to be a couple of new guests that we've had on here, and I'll just get them introduced real quick. Once again, my name is Leo, and I'll be your host, and I'm the Geek Scorpio. And over to my right over here is... Uh, my name's Jerk. And next to him is going to be another guest... Hi, hey Alex. I'm going by the name GBO123. Hey, yo! And over here I have. Hi, I'm Moss. All right. That being said, we're going to move on to the magical merch booth. Yay, wee! <laughs> <laughs> We are in the magical merge booth now unlike our normal magical merge booth options for this one it's just really a quick update for everybody for the month of january gaming theater podcast is going to go on hiatus for a bit before we get back to a couple of extra episodes on there outside of that though we'll be moving on and trucking now we've got a big subject today so i'm going to make this short and we'll be getting on but thank you everybody for joining us for, for the year of 2023 for that and we'll see you again in 2024 that being said let's get back to the show So today's episode is going to be something a little different on it. If, if you didn't know, uh, and this is just for anybody who has it in edition, um, on November 23rd, 1963, that's the first episode of Doctor Who, making this year the 60th anniversary of Doctor Who. Now, Doctor Who is an interesting story take because it has a very unique storytelling device that really only exists in Doctor Who and nowhere else so far. There's other places that have tried to do something similar to that, but for the Doctors in Doctor Who, the main character, the Doctor, is a character that basically 
whenever he passes away, will as long as he has a chance, will regenerate and create himself into a new doctor. And for that, it would be a new actor who's playing and portraying the doctor from Doctor Who. So to explain how this sort of works out, we're going to have to start at the beginning and who this is. The Doctor itself as a character for Doctor Who is really two parts of the same character. The first is more of the, I guess, analytical or the default settings for it. This is the the Time Lord from Gallifrey. That's the Doctor. Two hearts, a brilliant and one of the smartest people in the galaxy uh, known who understands time, space, and things that we can't, uh, to a point that we can't barely comprehend. To what he does is almost as distinguishable as magic. The old Isaac yeah. Asimov. Now, that being said, this is the Doctor uh, normally. That's sort of the, the template for him. He's just a eyes creature that just sort of exists and tries to help. Now, as far as the Doctor goes with helping people, that's more of a, something that's just innate and inherent to his abilities. The Doctor will always want to help out and and it's basically part of his uh, philosophy. So much so, this is one of the reasons why he basically left Gallifrey. From It took a bit of research to look it up, but originally, one of the reasons why the Doctor left Gallifrey, unlike the other Time Lords, is because he didn't believe in sort of the Time Lord philosophy of, which is ironic because most space things like Star Trek, for example, will dive into this as we hear it like First Contact. Marvel also does the same thing too, with the Watchers. These are creatures that do not interfere. The Doctor, however, with all their power and such, wants to help out, and if he has the ability to save someone, he can. He doesn't do it all the time and understands that, you know, actions have consequences for anything that big that he does. So, will he, like, reach range the cosmos to move one thing? Maybe. But he has to be careful because he knows what the cause and effect of everything is because he's been from the beginning to the end of the universe. That doesn't mean that he is going to stand aside if something bad is happening or some kind of injustice that he's seen. Or villains trying to play God. Well, villains are, or aliens are things that are basically interfering with, with people. He will stand by, he'll go in and help out. Now, that's the Doctor in general. Now, what happens, though, is... Every iteration of the Doctor has different attitude, personalities, and things that affect what how this Doctor is going through. So if we go back in the beginning, and we'll be going through most of these Doctors for it, each Doctor plays that character as the Doctor differently. It's kind of weird to say the Doctor like six times in a sentence, and it still makes mm -hmm. sense. It's like that old sentence, what is it? You can say Buffalo, 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 Buffalo. It's one word. However, that sentence makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll start with the first Doctor, which is William Hartnell. Now, Doctor Who, if you didn't know, um, originally, which never, which they've changed their motif so much, started off as an education program. It was originally designed as a children's, uh, as an idea of a type of children's program. And also it was uh, meant to fill a gap between uh, your music uh, program called Duke's Box Jury. That they had back in the early 60s, right? Correct. That was their version of the American Bandstand. Yeah. So with that, they set up Doctor Who, which is a basically having a person going from place to place to teach people about what happened in history using this magical time box to get in there. Hmm. Now, with that, that's also why William Hartnell from Out of All the Doctors comes off as a teacher more like than anything else. Wants people to explore and 
it has that nature of being a super friendly character who wants to, you know, impose, let people learn and, and these things. But then adventure happens. Now, William Hotnell, ironically enough, is also the oldest actor to play the Doctor. I think he was something in his 60s, 70s when he got the role of the Doctor. But so, yeah, he was just wise oh, yeah, with his companions and going from place to place to try to explore. In fact, uh, the first episode, I think, takes place in 1963, which is why the I know that's the reason why the TARDIS is looks the way it does. Mm -hmm. uh, because it's... the TARDIS is first thing it I think attached to was a was one of the police boxes and then just got stuck that way. So it's kind of ahead of its day. Now, if you're wondering about the, it being listed like this, being ahead of its day and being a science fiction program in the 60s and sounds familiar, you'll hear the, some of the the um, relations to basically an example of Star Trek because that will happen later in, I think, 68 or so? 66. Uh, 66, yeah. 66 is, uh, is when... Uh, is when Star Trek will happen in which is a weird comparison but in England Star Trek is also considered a children's show just like Doctor Who is which is kind of a weird take for that so uh, you know monsters in space good enough children's yeah. show I, I don't think their line is very specific for that teleportation fact yeah. kids you know, that's kids stuff right there um, but yeah, so it's kind of a weird take, and this is not a thing that will change. Star Trek is actually, for decades, will be treated as a children's show in England, and it's probably because Doctor Who is also treated as a children's show in England. Mm -hmm. If anyone's watched even any of the later Who stuff, yeah, it's not exactly all for kids on that. <laughs> what with the acid monster and the thing? Yeah, no, it's it's a mess. Yeah. So one of the things with William Hartnell that happens with him, uh, he becomes the Doctor, and he's the Doctor for 19, until, until 1966, ironically, when Star Trek comes around. However, he had some failing health and so couldn't continue with the role and left. And this is sort of what spawned them to take the idea of regeneration. I believe it was Sidney Newman who was the uh, CEO that described that idea after his uh, ill, after William Hartnell's ill health started to look out publicly with that being said um so william hartnell's uh, saying so they changed it up to introduce regeneration and this gives this show something unique that you couldn't that hasn't come up with since basically it would allow a person to change the entirety of their actor and their storylines and such to fit a motif so where the and well you'll see is that the different doctors that take place will always change their attitudes change their storylines and change basically how everything is working out even some of the villains will pop up later so one of the things that happens with this is that instead of the first doctor which was this wise teacher like uh like character the next doctor that will come up is patrick um i hope i'm uh butchering his name Troutman. Patrick Troughton. Troughton. Patrick Troughton. Okay, so with that, Patrick Troughton is the second Doctor, and he will take over for... Or, now, he's... If you ever seen Patrick Troughton as, as Doctor Who, he's got the... Uh, a shaggy Beatles-like haircut for him instead of the old man... Uh, instead of the old man persona. But they originally put the old man to uh, sit in New York and stop it and, and just try, you know... Mess his clothing around and 
and just to make him look like a like a like a hobo or hippie type person. That was <laughs> uh, that was his words when in, the, in Troughton's first uh, story. So he saw Troughton's first story and just went, you know what we what Doctor Who needs space hobo. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he would invent little silly things that are on there. I think he, like, half the time, uh, any of the episodes I've seen with him is, like, half part of the time, he's like, hang on, hang on. I heard this rhythm. Let me see if I can play it on my recorder. That'll make God, sense. I love that so much. Uh, Doc? Doctor? He made the recorder uh, his own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Doctor, uh, there's a real problem with Cybermen here. Hang on, I'm getting to there. I'm getting there. <laughs> he is the mist- the Doctor Who if he was a bard, but not a very good one. I'll play a jaunty tune. Doctor, that's not going to help us in this scenario. So with that, the second Doctor comes up and they start introducing different new factions for it. So at this point, basically back in, with uh, the first Doctor, they they sort of started scrapping the idea of making an education show and just turning it into a science fiction show and just run run with it. But they still do the time thing, but not to the heavy extent it was before, because that affects the ratings during William Hartnell's time. Uh, what, going through often. time a lot? Uh, yes. Yeah, so just like with, uh, uh, with uh, different things that you will see, you'll start seeing them retool this uh, series to find out basically what works and what sticks and what doesn't. You'll see different shows rearrange things and once they find a, a motif or a motive that they go on they keep going with that like famously um the first season of parks and recreation terrible in comparison to the rest of the series so with that being said we bump into a couple of new concepts on it so i don't remember i think for the first doctor they still had the cybermen right as a villain it was a term they called monster of the week yeah, it's a Monster of the Week show. That's how it was originally. But we had things like, mo- uh, like, um, like uh, Cybermen, uh, like the Ice Warriors, and then the Yeti. Is the Daleks at this mm-hmm. time, or yeah, the Daleks is a big, and they'll come. The Daleks are important to the storyline of the Doctor. We'll get to them in a bit, but the, just note that monsters and creatures that they have at the beginning will still keep appearing and reappearing and reappearing as monsters later and creatures that they have to, that the doctor has to deal with as opposing forces for it. The Daleks is probably the most biggest one. Even though, ironically, to save on the budget, the Daleks they literally glued a uh a, what, a plunger on the front of the of the Dalek called yeah, it a day. Literally a, a trash can. <laughs> Sometimes for science fiction stories we gotta save on a budget. But that's what made them amazing. <laughs> so with it, one of the concepts that I liked and they started coming back to it is unit. And the concept for this is kind of the world of Doctor Who on Earth. Stuff happens in Doctor Who that that keeps happening to the Earth. So, you know, at so, they didn't have a military response unit until the Doctor had to deal with a bunch of monsters. And at that point... Monsters keep showing up. We should probably do something about this. And they introduce Unit into the into this as the Earth's response. And Unit's most of their response is at whatever the doctor tells us to do, we'll just do it. <laughs> Moral support. Yeah. 
<laughs> what are we here for? Mostly moving boxes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that that is the extent of our power. I think it's it, a couple of research and defense, but basically moving boxes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so the second doctor is kind of a goofball and now they work with different contracts and once a doctor's once the actor who plays the doctor's contract sort of expires, they have a chance of renewing, but if they don't, that's fine. Then they'll just make their final episode a, um, a, just the end of that doctor, and we move on to the next doctor. So what's unique about this storyline is, typical for this, the actors know who the next guy is going to be uh, that's taken over the role, typically. Uh, don't forget the fear of typecast. Um, that's the reason why a lot of people, actors will leave, is the fear for typecasting. Um, in fact, that's one of the reasons why some of these doctors that we'll be talking about have a shorter span than others. It's because they don't want to be stuck as being typecast as, I'm the science fiction guy, I am the, in the storyline, where I can do more dramatic works. Some of these are, uh, like, a lot of the doctors, like, we'll get to, when we get to 10th, like, like, Tenant? No. Yeah, Tenant's 10th. Like, when we get to Tenant, um, he's a Bonafide, most of these guys are thespian backgrounds. Oh, yeah. From my understanding, that really helps out their um, their thing for it. So, with that, uh, that's the second Doctor. Basically, things are silly for him. He He's kind of a, a goofball space hobo, as he's been described. Yes. So, they go to the next Doctor, which is the third Doctor, which is... Uh, John Pertree. John Pertree, yeah. Yes. Pertree's fun. Uh, yes. John Pertree sort of introduces a more action-oriented doctor for the Doctor Who's. What's interesting is for John Petrie's time when they started off, if you, it, it's hard to say, but I personally I find it easier to get people to who want to just okay, I want to get started watching Doctor Who. Where do I? St- uh, but I'm not. It's too much canon for me to work with, and we'll get into an episode later about overloaded canons and such. There, there's a problem in the solution and things for it. So with this, though, how do you get started? Well, the easiest way to get started is, uh, if you want to, is uh, if you think you have a bit of an interest, is to pick a doctor and start at the first episode of that doctor and run with it. Petrie's interesting thing is because before uh, all of the Doctor Who episodes were done in black and white, and now they move on to color. And as such, he has a huge, crazy costume for that. Yes. Oh, yes. The velvet. Uh, It was velvet everything. He had a cape. I mean, (laughs) uh, he had a big, poofy hair. Um, And thanks to... uh, a fun thing that you can find with a lot of these older doctors from Doctor Who is that typically somewhere in their wardrobe or such, they'll have what looks like a question mark on there. Petrie, because of a particular episode that will pop up, has a tattoo of a question mark, of a snake tattoo, but it's a snake tattoo in the shape of a question mark. Because it's the Doctor Who pun that they love. That's just the thing with that. So with this, you would bump into the, uh, what will happen is that, is that when you get to these doctors, they change it up. So one of the big storyline changes that they made was they locked the TARDIS. So with that, one of the big things that was changing around is that Gallifrey plays more of an important role. At this point, they are tired of having the Doctor running around and doing things because it's against their their code of of ethics. And so what they do is that they break the TARDIS and leaving the TARDIS so the TARDIS can't leave Earth. And now this, as far as a story uh, line uh, case, 
made it so that way all their stories has to take place on Earth for the first couple of years on that. And it helps the budget. That's mostly a budget concern. If we don't go to space, we don't have to make an alien planet for this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, aliens invading that nearby factory, which happens to be abandoned, which is over in that corner. This field and that field. And... <laughs> that field. Um, there's an awful lot of empty quarries that we find. Actually, there's a lot, like, I've seen a few of the of episodes. There's an awful lot of empty quarries that they bump oh, yeah. into. Uh, like the Three Doctors episode is mostly in a quarry. quarry. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, that brings up the next point. So now that they have an established history for it, one of the things that is also neat to see is once in a while, you have episodes where more than one Doctor will be in there. Three Doctors is probably the most famous one mm-hmm. on that. And um, as part of that episode in The Three Doctors, the I think Gallifrey finally decides to say okay because something because Gallifrey gets screwed over and lo- time locked and the only plan that they have is to get another doctor from another time to come back here, right? Mm-hmm. Which I always found is interesting because like the doctors have to piece together that that's another version of them and um it's like because they don't know because they're physically completely changed as far as they know that's another maybe may or may not be another Gallifreyan or just you know a guy in this weird suit and has a recorder but yeah so they did introduce the three doctors on there so John Petrie's run is uh, famous for being more action oriented like one of the things that he'll tell people is that I now know Akito <laughs> and also I like to call this the day to day doctor because he has to have a regular job <laughs> yep <laughs> <laughs> he has the doc he has a regular job with unit because his official title with unit is research scientist number one <laughs> and what's funny is that in later episodes in the in the in the um, i was watching like one of the newer who's episodes once in a while unit will show up and he has to remind him yeah so what's your doctor what your what's your rank on this number like 24 23 ah yeah i'm number one not to brag, but to... I'm the top guy. <laughs> um, and like, he also has a Doctor Who car, <laughs> right? The Who Mobile. Yeah. Is it actually called the Who Mobile? Yes, yes, it's actually called a Who Mobile. But it he calls looks it like a monstrosity. He calls it Bessie. Yes. <laughs> it was in that Three Doctors episode. That's how yeah. I first found about it. Well, he also later got a. Uh, a jet fighter and a uh, speeding boat, but that was the, that was his later season. Hang on, hang on. The doctor has a jet fighter. Yep, he does. <laughs> and a speedboat. <laughs> it's for those you know water episodes. You know. Did you know it's it's weird that the doctor says, "Yeah, Knight Rider." I did that before. Like, <laughs> 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 oh. oh no. How are we going to get over there? With the Doctor Who officiated Doctor Who speedboat. <laughs> go to the Who boat. Let's go. <laughs> well, he has a cape and everything. You know he's going to swirl it and, and go into action man into this thing. Yes. Yes. So yeah, Doctor Who's John Petrie is like um, any place for for a, for a good while, actually. Um, and the series is kind of regular. This kind of exp- is sort of a neat point I need to bring up for a way of, for people who have been watching classic Who is different than watching 
newer Who. Whenever we say new Who, it's usually anything in the 2000s. Whenever we say classic Who, it's anything before the year 2000 for that. Um, but in Doctor Who, they're still ran as serial episodes. So they're not, it's more like small mini arcs. Back, uh, serials work like this. You would come in, you would watch uh, an episode, and then they would leave as a cliffhanger because the story's not done. And then you would leave, you'd come back and you watch another episode. But they're not part of a story arc because the arc is where it takes place a good section for the season. And so some of these episodes are actually like what we're talking about, like the three doctors is actually, you know, I think two, epi- two or three episodes back to back on that. Four, actually. Yeah, it's typically four episodes for a Doctor Who episode. Uh, uh, serial. But they're serialized, which is uh, so it will have a cliffhanger and then we go on to the next part of the story. A cliffhanger, then the next part of the story, and then the finale. And so whenever we're, uh, which is weird because this makes watching old versions of Doctor Who kind of hard because um, they don't, the England doesn't, the British doesn't do seasons like we're used to here. A season for a United States audience is usually starts in one year and ends in the year prior and that's it. And then they take a small break for whatever that episode, that show is. So for us, when we do seasons, they're typically year by year by year. Whereas for the serial one, um, some of these go on, some of the serials even go on throughout a couple of years in that, in that case, right? Um, like they start in one spot and they end in another. No, actually it goes within like a monthly basis. Yeah. Um, and I think old Doctor Who, each of those episodes are what, 30? 30 minutes. Yeah. They don't, they don't go to the hour until like mid eighties. Mm-hmm. As an experiment. Yeah. So, yeah. Doctor... So, Doctor Who here is now a, uh, is now a famed magician uh, magician with a cape and style. He's missing, like, a cane, but that will be for the next Doctor to go through. But not this next Doctor. He so, still has a handy sonic screwdriver. Oh, yeah. So, we got through the three Doctors, and the next Doctor that comes... Uh, so, this guy's jovial. Oh, He's don't forget the... There was the uh, their version of a Moriarty and Doctor Who, the Master. Yeah, the Master. The Master. Yeah. If you have Sherlock Holmes for that, uh, for that, you also have the Master. Think of it as the antithesis for the Doctor. Antithesis. I always get that name wrong. Anyway. Antithesis. Uh, so with that is the bad Doctor, or someone who would basically be a Time Lord, but abuses their own powers for that. Yeah. All the smarts and the knowledge, but does it for evil. Mm, that does it for evil. For evil. What about the doctor? Mostly for good, but also funsies. <laughs> <laughs> you can't tell me that he's not wearing a cape for uh, for the practicality of it. But yeah, so the master is, uh, uh, and other villains will show up. I, so does the master show up in... He shows up around season eight uh, during so the second... So is that the third doctor uh, or second? Nineteen seventy one season ult- eight. Yeah, second Ultron uh, story because the Ultrons, the plastic uh, aliens, appeared the second time with the Master. Yes, yeah, so like the Master is the evil Doctor, and he'll pop up as a villain for it. But also, um, what's interesting is even though the Doctor has his regenerations, the Master also has his regenerations as well. Yes, sir. Yeah, but at this story part of that storyline, he's in this second to last regenerations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, 
until some rule breaking that happens later, I think it's uh, a person can re uh, Gallifreyan can regenerate what thirteen times. Yes. Yeah. No. I thought, it was, I thought it was eleven, and then then it was twelve. I think it's eleven, the then twelve, because that's the deal. With, no, thirteen, because that the twelfth is uh, has, has to remember that he has the war doctor. It it's a mess. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they and do then, the whole like um, cracked episode where he has like ask them and they give him some time energy and he regenerates. Yeah. And then as far as we know now, how many times can the doctor regenerate? Eh? <laughs> yeah. As many as we need. Cause... As many as the story wants us to He'll regenerate twice a week. If I, if I can do it right. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. So, so after this, the doctor gets back to his normal doctory adventures and, we move on to a new doctor for Doctor Who. At this point, it's 74, and this is now Tom Baker. Tom Baker will hold the record for playing the doctor from Doctor Who the longest out of any doctor, bar none. And so he, for a generation and a half, is basically their doctor for this Doctor Who. Um, and so as such, that unlike everyone else, he this doctor also has the most companions for him. In fact, has a little robot dog as a companion. Yes. Canine. Canine is fun. Hero we don't deserve. Mm-hmm. And then also you we have, I think at this point it's the, oh, I can't even, Sarah. Sarah so, Jane Smith. Sarah Jane Smith, yeah. Oh, yeah. The doctor actually has a technical name for purposes of paperwork as John Smith. He's a clever one, that one. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> well, because he had to have a day job back on, with the third doctor. We got to put something on there. The doctor. No, that's a position, but that's my name. John Smith? Smith? Nailed it. Oh, also, one more thing. In the first season with Tom Baker, it, they had uh, one of the members of the unit join as a companion. Yeah. Um, which is interesting because typically um, the doctor ref- doesn't like having military personnel as companions at all. And it's uh, one of the th- aspects of the Doctor from Doctor Who that pops up every so often, especially in the newer heroes, is sometimes he's kind of treated as a pacifist. Like, he will try to logic or use his mind to get out of situations he doesn't want to fight or fight directly if he can avoid it. Because that's sort of against his philosophies, his personal philosophies. But yeah, so Baker is, Tom Baker has a ridiculous scarf and I mean yes. ridiculous. The thing is, what like at least uh seven feet long? <laughs> it was uh, eleven feet. Wait, wait, wait! It's an eleven foot long scarf. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who, or the the Doctor, or tripping hazard at this point. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So he also has. So this Doctor is, whereas the last Doctor was mostly, you know. Very jovial, very fun to be with. This is where they started making changes to the doctors to be sort of changing their personality. This doctor came off as being not abrasive, but being as like a... Uh, it could be oddball or be aggressively serious at the same time. Yeah, he can be one of the roughest of the doctors that are out there. But at the same time, he is also very melancholy. He kind of is like midlife crisis doctor sometimes. <laughs> Which is weird because this is there's going to be more than one midlife crisis Doctor Who. Yes. Yes. Um, but for Baker, yeah, it's always he. He's at this point. Um, 
it's roughly, give or take, about a hundred years for every doctor's incarnation for it. So at this point, he's four or five hundred years old. And he's 700, like, actually. At this point, he's 600? 700. Crazy Doctor Who math. So he's about 700 years, and he's like, man, I have seen it all. There is nothing that can surprise me. Um, what about these monsters over here? All right, that's a surprise. I guess I should deal with this. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Doctor in this case is, uh, will be somber and brooding because, well, he's kind of seen it all. And at the, sometimes he will be adventurous and jovial, really excited to see something new. And he's just both friendly and bitter at the same time, which is kind of a neat combination. But Tom Baker will play Doctor for Doctor Who up until from what is it? From 1974 all the way to 81. And so I think it's seven, eight years as a doctor. Seven. But yeah, so this is simple thinking Don Baker stopped being the doctor for Doctor Who. Now, Tom Baker's doctor is kind of interesting because he's gotten the most time for it. So you see him sort of grow and change and relax. I personally love the fact that he's that his game plan for stopping the Daleks usually is fine stairs. Yes. And so, uh, because apparently only the Daleks never, uh, as great and superior of a race as they are, never figured out how to work, how to get those things above stairs. And I'm aware that that's a production thing, but I love the fact that they make it as an in joke as well. At, f- at first, they at first. solve it later. <laughs> they figured it out. What happened? We figured out special effects budget. Yes, more <laughs> money. More money was thrown at this, and that helped to solve this problem. Um. <laughs> But yeah, the doctors had to deal with the master, the Cybermen, the Daleks. Basically, every who's who of Doctor Who's villains would show up against Tom Baker more often than anyone else. Unless they're a whole new monster that's being created for this show. Mm, monster of but, the week. Monster of the week, as it is. I've watched a couple of, of Baker's episodes. They're pretty fun. And it's kind of nice to have a kind of a status quo hero for you on this. Mm-hmm. But that is sort of a take on that for it. Um, now, with that, uh, I think that's all I've really got. Unfortunately, as far as old who, I, I've had to skip around some of the episodes. For it, but I've watched a few episodes of each of these Doctors. Um, Baker is definitely an interesting one. It's really fun to watch an episode where, in order to escape a castle, he has to get his robot dog, Canine, to float to the castle and such because doctor who doctor who is weird that way mm-hmm. um but yeah so he has a signature scarf and hat and and you will see that scarf and hat drop its what because of how much time he's been as doctor who um that is more iconic than any of the other doctors stuff including um uh, mccoy's which will have literally question mark uh, arcs all over the place <laughs> In his oh, outfit. Yeah. All right. So moving on from um, Tom uh, Baker, they will end up having the next doctor to be Peter Davison. Peter Davison will be the doctor from 1982 to 1984. So, yeah. So with the fifth doctor, we bump into an interesting thing where basically instead of be, uh, the fourth doctor who was prone to righteous anger, fury, and, and at times it's brooding at times, this one is happy-go-lucky, really wants to uh, stop and help people out with whatever problems that they have. 
you know, basically, you're a you're friendly next door neighbor, doctor. <laughs> so, yeah. Also, dresses really weird. It's got a polo shirt, or no, he dresses it in a cricket outfit. Yeah. With a uh, celery for lapel. Mm-hmm. Celery on his lapel, and he just loves to, he's like, I'm gonna help out everybody with their thing. So some of these adventures seem to slow down, unfortunately, because he's busy trying to take care of something. And this is the uh, doctor I pretty much watched mostly two-thirds of this, uh, of his tenure. Mm-hmm. So, outside of his vibrant clothes, he's pretty much a super nice guy, doctor, doctor isn't he? Pretty much. Sometimes he... Now, I do know, I've saw in some of his episodes, he can get really overly dramatic sometimes. Like, almost to, I need a fainting couch kind of drama that's listed there. <laughs> oh, no! But what will I be about the children? But yeah, he's at, uh, so you, instead of being this brutal medical type thing, he's just energetic and helpful and like, hey, buddy, I'm going to go help out with, around here. And that's sort of what happened to the fifth doctor. Kind of tame in comparison to all the other doctors, but when you've gotten, when you're at the fifth doctor, at this point, being tame is the new guy, <laughs> is the exciting one. Yep. It's just weird to see all that. So if he was the tame and uh, the tame one and just an adventurous lovable goof, when he moves on to the next doctor, the sixth doctor, this is Colin Baker, um, and he runs the doctor as eight, from 1984 to 1986. Colin Baker's doctor, on the other hand, is completely the opposite. Like, they wanted this, this sense of chaos constantly being a thing with this doctor so much. So he has the most complicated outfit I have seen in any doctor who his jacket alone is something like 10 different fa 10 or 11 different fabrics. 25 layers, is it 25 layers of fabrics for to make that costume. Yep. He is a nightmare for cosplayers. If you find anyone who decides to cosplay as the sixth doctor salute with them. Uh, some leftovers from the fifth. It is a mess. Oh, yeah. Also, I forgot to mention uh, the collar sleeves that have the question marks mm -hmm. where the fifth doctor wears. It's actually started with Tom Baker in his last season. Oh, is that it's what question marks? It? Uh, yeah, it's question marks in his collar sleeve. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has a slit on his collars. He has the, um, the, um, the two question marks on there. But, you know, his chaotic coat is a monstrosity unto itself. And also, he has a lovely... He has a love for cats, too. Oh, yeah. This is the doctor that loves cats. Um, Interestingly enough, though, this doctor... Uh, uh, this doctor decides out of every of the doctors, he has a superiority complex for himself. And so, like, this doctor just honestly thinks that he's better than everyone else because he's the smartest thing in the universe. I mean, he is smart, that's true, but he also doesn't have to be a jerk about it. But he's brash, he's hot-tempered, he will fight things. Um, companion light episodes are ones that don't have a companion or don't have a very specific companion on that. Um, for Colin Baker, Severin, there's a lot of episodes where there's just no companions. He's just dealing with the problem because everyone else can go suck it. So yeah, 
apparently, if you are a dick to people, that gives you the least amount of companions, and these things kind of work hand-to-hand. Mm-hmm. Um, but at this point, so that we've had kind of a history of different doctors, and so the, uh, there is this weird, rather atypical regeneration point where there's um, a creature that pops up once in a while called the Valyard. It only shows up in 86, 1986, but um, the concept of it comes out. There, Valyard is a basically the embodiment of the Doctor's dark side. The If the Doctor, instead of having the antagonist, which is the Master, um, this is the basically the dark version of the doctor this is your evil twin doctor who <laughs> um so that's a fun little uh nod yeah technically it's the doctor it's just the evil twin doctor for it but it's only shown up in one episode so that's it so at this point we're going to go to the uh we're moving on to the last doctor uh sort of the last doctor before we start getting into New Who, which is the seventh Doctor, Sylvester McCoy, from 87 to 89. Um, This is thoughtful, whimsical. He is scenes more scattered raid, but out of all the Doctors, he is, he's got some funny moments, but also, he is a manipulator. He likes to play everyone, if, um, if the third Doctor was a man of action, you know, getting into the, into the Who-mobile, um, this is one who likes to be cunning, who wants to play chess masters, and so he'll maneuver and manipulate all the all the pieces around him until he can get that problem solved. And so he masterfully manipulates the situation to do his outcome. Um, part of that was because of Sylvester McCoy. He wasn't a very athletic car- uh, uh, actor, so they wanted to they didn't want him to move around very much if you've watched any of the new who stuff most of the uh the concept of running is a thing that you need to do as a doctor and a companion lots of cardio you do cardio you stretch it out do your cardio ready to rock and roll (laughs) um but he manipulates everyone and can uh now if uh the as as Alex said before, that as a tradition, they kept a question mark on the lapel because of uh, Tom Baker started that. And then there's always a question mark somewhere in the Doctor Who outfit. In uh, the Seventh Doctor, he is wearing a uh, just to not you know be obvious about it. He has an umbrella that he uses, like a cane that's shaped with a question mark. No subtlety, right there, or and a jacket covered to the brim in and question a marks. A shirt with a bunch of uh, question marks. Yep, yep. Question marks everywhere. <laughs> Put it all over the outfit. But yeah, this kind of goes with his personality, where he's whimsical and fun and charismatic. Oh, also, I forgot something. Uh, he also wears um, a bowling shoe. Not all of the Doctor Who's doctors wear practical clothing. <laughs> it's just a thing. I'm with the Doctor. I'm going to wear bowling shoes now. Fine, I guess? Um, If I have to do as much running as Doctor Who, I'm investing in running shoes. That's just... That's just the thing on that. <laughs> I don't care how cool I look in these... uh In spats, I am wearing these running shoes. 
Okay, so McCoy's got had the notation of being basically the last doctor for Doctor Who for a while. So, due to some internal politics and the uh, politicking and the budget, and specifically one of the CEOs of BBC, Michael Gray, yeah, Michael Gray, the CEO of BC, BBC, personally just did not like Doctor Who and was finding a way to get him off the earth. But yeah, so due to those internal politics, Doctor Who quit as a series. They didn't, they didn't say quit. They say so hiatus. Yeah, sure. A 10-year hiatus. We'll, we'll go with that. It's a hiatus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hiatus it was. So Doctor Who at this point has been going on for roughly from 60s to the 80s. So it's still a, and about 26 years. Yeah. So with this, the big issue that we bump into on the, on the late 80s we're going to have to explain something that an uh, interesting fact that happened in the seventies in the 1970s, a little show uh, movie came out. You might've heard of it called star Wars. Dun, dun, dun. Now what star Wars did, which is important, uh, which is a milestone in science fiction is making science fiction profitable. So that's uh, the thing with science fiction. It's kind of an expensive uh, type of TV show or movie to make on this. Because of the, uh, that that gap with science fiction, um, in the 80s, people had been thirsty and going to lengths to make get their own science fiction series coming in there. Now, what ends up happening is a big thing. And because of that, Star Trek becomes uh, was also on its hiatus for a while from the after the 60s and throughout most of the 70s. But in the 80s, people were wanting to get Star Trek back on the air. And so it comes back on the air. And so you start getting this nostalgia feel for old uh, for science fiction to get come back. And since the, uh, Doctor Who is uh, as a series is still a pretty good IP and a hot commodity, there was an attempt to make Doctor Who move over to the United States as an American produced show. Now to do so, they wanted to release a pilot as a concept for this, and so they did the pilot, which was a movie that they made for. So with that, uh, they did this pilot for Doctor Who, and this is Paul uh, McCann's epi- uh, turn as Doctor Who. So he will have the shortest amount of time as the Doctor until there's new episodes with him in it. But he gets to play Doctor Who for one film in 1996. Um, and it's mostly triggered to set up new interest for that. This is actually the first time I personally would have seen Doctor Who is that movie. It was all right. wasn't really anything to talk about. It's, it's fine, I guess. <laughs> we're we're all fine. We're all fine. Yeah, we're all fine. We're all uh, fine. I I honestly think the biggest problem with that is that they had writers that from Doctor Who who wrote from old Doctor Who episodes. Why that's a problem with that is they were in Doctor Who's continuity still stays solid, so they make references to stuff that happened in the past. That's affecting it now. So that being a problem, if I if it's me, you know, trying to a uh, little tiny kid trying to watch Doctor Who, not understanding what the master is, what doc, the still trying to figure out what the doctor is. The first thing I get to see is the regeneration process. I don't know what that's about. He was that guy. Now he's this guy. What's happening here? And you'll see it in newer Who episodes. Like there's an episode dedicated to like when they first start being the new doctor for themselves and have that transition period. Mm-hmm. And, which honestly you need 
because you've just switched not only the actor but your motif, your themes, and your and the attitudes of what's going on with the story at that point. So this kind of experiment failed. I feel bad for McGant because, from what I understand, he's actually a really good doctor for Doctor Who. He just only had the one shot and and it was done. So in this, we bump into this is the line of where we get into New Who. Um, I think Stephen Moffat is the guy is the lead producer who started working on wanting to get Doctor no, Who. No, Moffat didn't uh, show until at least the second season of David Tennant's tenure. Okay, so that's it was a it was Russell T Davies. Okay, so Russell T Davies actually pushed it, managed to get Doctor Who interest back to making Doctor Who, and this is where we bump into the ninth Doctor now. Here, before we start with the Ninth Doctor, Eccleston, let's go back a bit. In Doctor Who's canon, they wrote it in so that way, after McGann's time as Doctor Who, he leaves. And this is where we get into a very important moment in the Doctor's life cycle called the Time War. Now, the Time War is in a brief synopsis for it. There's realistically only two races in space that, in the Doctor Who universe that know how to do time travel. The Daleks, which are bad people, very bad, and they're basically space Nazis. They're not even hiding that fact. Ooh, and the Gallifreyans, which are, which, uh, are the Time Lords. So all time is basically in this fight, in this war. And in order to win the war, a the, in order for the Doctor to win the war, he had to do something really bad that removed Gallifrey, and I think at this point he thinks he destroyed Gallifrey. Yeah. This is a spoiler-heavy concept, so it's, uh, I, oh, I, yeah. I I could ruin that part. Yeah, he thinks he remembers the whole burning of children and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, as far as he knows, he had to wipe Gallifrey off the map to stop the war. And then he also time had to do something to make it, um, what do they call it, time-locked? Yes. Along with the uh, Daleks as well. Mm -hmm. Locked them in a moment of time. Yeah. So they could not escape, but then they could not do anything either. And with that, that's, he has this crux of being, having experienced through this giant war and having to watch everything that he's known for his family and life to burn, basically. And he's the one that caused it. And that weighs heavy on him. Oh yeah, we could spend like an entire conversation, like two hours on just the war. Yeah, the war is a huge detail for it. It's one of the nice things about the Doctor Who, which is on in with as long as this canon is, they put gaps and holes in the Doctor Who's past on it. They do it on purpose because it slows down the story if they were trying to go through it. But this is a big important moment. This is he no longer is the jovial Doctor who's adventuring and traveling from place to place trying to right, right right wrongs this is a guy who's seen some shit and now it's finally weighing on him heavily about this ptsd yeah. for the boat yeah. and that's the least of his problems are you talking about the war doctor now or are you still eccleston so this is everything to lead up this is their okay. story mode yeah, to okay. lead up to eccleston because eccleston comes in as more of a a different type of doctor. He's he's courageous and adventurous because he's already been through a war. He knows that he's gone through these fights. He is much more energetic, much more aggressive. And when he finally gets to an episode that he that they bump into a Dalek, he's perfectly fine with letting that guy burn. 
Yeah. Which is the the doctor as a character always loved to preserve life. He understands people are going to die. That's just the thing on that. But he tries to protect people as much as possible. Except for the Daleks, because the Daleks made him destroy his own his home. At that point, meh. Yeah. All bets are off. Yeah. But to show that he's this newer, edgier, rougher one, instead of having a big sauntering coat, he has a simple leather jacket. And it's, I think one of them, for Eccleston, is a pair of jeans and a t-shirt. He's ready to go at mm-hmm. any moment. There's not a lot of fluff to his costuming. A funny point about um, the Ninth Doctor's costume, mm-hmm. it's actually what um, Colin Baker had requested mm-hmm. to be as his costume. And then he got the craziest costume on the entire show. <laughs> he was really mad when the ninth doctor showed up wearing his costume. Actually, it was uh, John Nathan Turner's idea because of uh, his days of clubbing. <laughs> <laughs> the clubbing doctor. The clubbing doctor. Look, I like to wear these kind of sh- these kind of slick black shoes. Why? I can easy to run, but also if I have to go on night at a night and clubbing, now's the time to do this. Right. <laughs> a partying doctor. But yeah, he is just aggressive and and it always shows that he's been traumatized by something. And he and so he's always saddled with guilt and anger and he's but he's always like hiding it with a joke or anything with that. Until he finally has the, in fact, as part of the storyline, Rose, Tyler, I think is the only one of the few companions that he has through most of his run. Now, Eccleston, just like uh, some of the older doctors, didn't want to be typecast. And one of the things that he did was he uh, made it in his contract that he was going to be for one season as as the doctor. And that was it. I, also, that clause was... Uh... He just leaves the show quietly, not disturbing the concept of the director and the media. Well, that's him personally. As far as the storyline goes, he yeah. just, uh, uh, but for Eccleston, just wanted to run one one year. And uh, again, the, the, as an actor, you get a fear of being typecast. You don't want to be the same character over and over again and get and you get tired for that. Um if you can't and avoid it but then also as an actor sometimes you're really really good at what you do and it pays the bills for that so that being said we bump it to because he only had one year for his contract he they literally had to move on to the next so they they were had to prep get ready to get the next doctor ready and this is where we have probably the most famous or at least the most popular of all the doctors david Tennant. David Tennant is an amazing actor for the Doctor, and I feel bad for him and great for him because some of the best episodes of Doctor Who is in Tennant's run. Also, mm-hmm. some of the worst do- episodes oh, yeah. of Doctor Who is in Tennant's run. <laughs> but yeah, so this is a sharp contrast to the other Doctors because he's still burdened, but uh, of the um, just like the Eccleston's run of the Ninth Doctor. But at this point, he has he's gotten over a lot of it. The meanest parts is whenever this doctor uh, is whenever Tennant's run lets him be like the mean bastard doctor that he wants to be. Like, oh no no, I'm mad now, <laughs> and I am God. I am going to, yeah. You do not know what you have decided to mess with today, sir. <laughs> like this is a yeah. My favorite episode of him is when he uh, goes against those uh, trackers and he 
goes out of his way to protect them from what he can do to them. Like this is he he's a doctor who gives people chances to that that edge when he gets pushed over. Sorry. Oh yeah. And he will uh he is probably has, has like I know what I, uh, what to do because I've gotten lifetimes of experience at this point and he shows it. But Tennant's run is uh um David Tennant, unlike all the other doctors, which feared being typecast, actually wanted to keep playing the doctor longer on that. Sadly, he got only five five years. He couldn't beat rec- uh, Baker's record of seven. So, but um, these also he knows when time to uh, depart. Mm-hmm. Um, but David Tennant is uh, probably out of all the actors that will be that will play the Doctor, except for maybe John Hurt, is probably the most famous of all the actors to play it. At least he's most famous now. I mean, there's so many different things that he's done since Doctor Who, since his run of Doctor Who. It's crazy. Oh yeah, he's, oh, yeah. he is a huge list. <laughs> but yeah, so he's very protective and uh, of his companions uh, as a sort of a role for it. Um. Tenant's run is how I ended up getting into Doctor Who, which is kind of it. Uh, but uh, I wouldn't say that he's my doctor. That's Eccleston. But I'll get to that when we get to the end of this episode. Um, but yeah, so he's the thing with him is that he's always wanting to not to avoid uh, putting himself in enough danger to be a death. But when he's at the edge, oh, man, he is can be mean. Then again, he's wearing sand shoes, which uh, then. <laughs> Not every doctor makes good clothing choices. Like that's how you know he's hip and cool with the all the you know the the youth of the day. Hello, fellow <laughs> youths. <laughs> oh. He's rocking the gelled hair. It's, I'm surprised he doesn't have like a skateboard with it. And he made the sideburns his own. <laughs> yes, and those those uh, 3D glasses from the 80s. Yeah, oh, love it, <laughs> love it. Like, oh man. So when he's done with his run, we bump into the eleventh Doctor, which is Matt Smith's run. Matt Smith is, I think, an interesting way to approach it because I think out of all the Doctors from Doctor Who, he's the easiest one I've seen to get into Doctor Who. Like everything for him is mm-hmm. new, and he's and, actually the youngest. He, yeah, um, actually, I think he got. He the was role like twenty-seven when he was cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the youngest actor to play the Doctor. Is uh, is Matt Smith? And Matt Smith's run is kind of interesting because it's new and it's jovial and it's just a bunch of crazy adventures. It has a childlike explosive. Like, I love when they do, because in his run is when they have the 50th anniversary, I believe. And Mm so as part of it, they do, uh, they bring in John Hurt as the war doctor. And much like the most famous, the other famous episode of the three doctors, this episode also has three doctors coming in to that. But I just love the look of excitement when he gets to meet himself. Oh, hey, yeah, that's great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Like two old college buddies which just got to meet up for uh, uh, for a beer or such. Right. <laughs> um, Which is kind of weird to have John Hurt in there because John Hurt comes in as the war doctor for that episode. So the 11th, do- so it's kind of a weird take. You have uh, in that episode, and it's done so fantastically. I've watched it multiple times for that, mm-hmm. that anniversary. Um, because what you have here is you have 
the John Hurt, the war doctor, which is the doctor who went through the bad, the bad times and has to make this decision for that. The, um, you know, the 10th doctor, which has, which has seen it and still trying to get through the trauma of it. And the 11th doctor, which has already gone through all the trauma and, and, and has taken care of, uh, and has gone through like basically the therapy that he needs for such a small, time as the doctor because i think john hurt actually now holds the record of the least amount of time as the doctor because sometimes you'll get flashback episodes and and they ask uh began to come in and get his take on this um he's more famous for the audio dramas that they have for doctor who where the ninth doctor shows up more often than anything else but for john hurt's small time as the 10th as the war doctor an amazing run, and I love it because he's bitter at everything for this. He just has the John Hurt mentality. That's just yeah. how he is. And not show, proving, not sh- telling that uh, Sonic Screwdrivers are not weapons. That was the best. That was the best part. Is that? <laughs> Why are you holding them like what? Water pistols? It's a right. screwdriver. Right. What are you gonna do? Assemble a cabinet at them? Best line. Oh, my personal favorite thing on that one. It's, uh, how do you beat the Dr. Scott screwdriver? You have to make something so old and so primitive that it never works right. (laughs) (laughs) So, after the War Doctor, and so they, and he's solving the problem with Gallifrey, which I think they took an interesting uh, storyline toward it. Like, Gallifrey is saved, but the Doctor doesn't know that the Gallifrey is saved, because part of the thing is being that close to to uh, in order to save Gallifrey, he has to call all the doctors to have a TARDIS on there to work on the same formula mm-hmm. to get enough power to stop time and move Gallifrey out of the way. But by doing so and having ruptured, having too many of him in the same time spot, it screws with his mind so he doesn't remember that he actually fixed the problem, which is kind of rough when you think about it. Yep, I saved the day. I th- uh, but I'll never remember that I saved the day. Right. I have all this trauma. You technically don't need it, but you know, it's a thing that happens. Timey wimey stuff. Timey wimey stuff. Oh man. So after the war doctor and that event, they start moving. Uh, Matt Smith starts ending his run for it, and which Matt Smith I always love because he's like, fezes are going to be cool. Fezes are. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> he seems like that your like your little brother who wants to do something that's cool and wants to impress you, but he's not. Mm-hmm. What are you doing with a Stenson hat? Stensons are cool. You can't tell me that they're not cool. I love the way they introduce the Fez. The showrunners yes. had a plan to immediately kill the Fez as soon as they gave it to him. <laughs> because they they had said they're like you know we're gonna give him a fez and everyone else is like no that's an awful idea he will never take the fez off he's gonna live <laughs> in that fez he's gonna sleep in that fez like he's gonna wear it the rest of the show it's like don't worry as soon as we give him the fez we will destroy the fez <laughs> that's some of the best work he's done is with that fez oh yeah the fez is the best way for him Oh, bow ties are cool. <laughs> he can have the bow tie and keep the bow tie, but no, no the fez no. has to die. The fez has to go. <laughs> has to 
he tossed into a fire somewhere. I don't know. You gotta get rid no, of it. No, remember a song just 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 grabbed the fez and just threw it up in the air and blasted. Well, that, that takes care it. of that fez. <laughs> yeah. So we move on from this uh, doctor. Uh, we move on to the twelfth doctor, Peter Capaldi's doctor, also known as Doctor Who reset. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. after the events of that, this allows Doctor of Gallifrey being saved. One of the things they do is that they mess with the with the doctor's thing. So now he can regenerate basically as many times as he wants to. We don't have a limiter anymore, but just him, as far as I know. But then others might show up. Like, the Master will keep coming back up, which I found it weird. I think in Tenant's run, the Master's only there for, like, two episodes and then gone again. Whereas in Baker's run, Master is, like, every couple of us. For your stories, we got the Master coming back again. <laughs> Just won't go down. Well, do you go down? No. <laughs> but, yeah, so Peter Capaldi's run for it, which I th- love at the same time, as this is the bitter old man of Doctor Who. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is the Doctor who just is angry at the he he would most likely be the doctor who's gonna yell out hey you kids get off my lawn um but yeah he's crotchety he conceals his emotions he he like he'll make bad rough ruthless decisions if he wants to he will do bad on his own uh he is the kind of doctor who will just basically yeah go away Fine, I'll save your planet if you go away and don't call me again. Right. But he's also reserved. When he has a companion, like Clara was a big companion for him, he wants to do to protect that that person. He wants to protect the companion. Everyone else he can, can go to hell except for that person. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a couple of episodes that Clara ends up having to put herself in danger just to get the doctor to do stuff. Because, no, this doctor is a crotchety old man. But yeah, his take on saving people is basically, if I have to, I guess. <laughs> if there's time. If there's time, all right. If I don't save this, I guess. <laughs> um, I did love how people confuse him for a magician. Even I did the first time seeing him because of his big, super cool looking, like, long cloak with the with the red inline. Mm-hmm. Uh, very David Copperfield. But it's also loosely based on the third Doctor's. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Because the third Doctor has a cape and everything. He's all about the show, the panache. <laughs> but unlike the, with Kapali's uh, outfit, I think it's black. And that's about it. <laughs> it's all black with uh, red trimming. Yeah, with red trimming. He is a simple folk. Mm-hmm. Also, oh, he has like sonic sunglasses for some reason. Oh <laughs> just, yeah! Wait, sonic sunglasses? Yeah, he had yep. sonic glasses. Why? <laughs> to to change things up. <laughs> Instead of a sock screwdriver, I put it in glasses. Yeah. This is the Doctor Who version of Google Glass, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I just I just need it yeah. attached to my glasses. Why? Because it's cool and it's new. <laughs> Because, as Moss puts it, I'm hip with the kids. <laughs> that's that's how this is how I play this. Um, so moving on from the from Capali, because Capali's run is fun if you love, especially for the bitterness that he brings in. Oh yeah, it's just kind of a, a weird thing to, to do. So after that, we bump into the thirteenth Doctor, which is Jodie Whittaker, first woman to uh, to be uh, to play uh, the Doctor, and. 
kind of fun, lighthearted, warm personality. So from that doctor, where Capaldi's like gets a companion, like, oh man, I hope you never have to get into. You suck as a person. I don't want to deal with this. Get off my lawn. For Whitaker, on the other hand, it's more of you know what? You're part of my fam. Love you to death. You are the best person here. You can do everything. She believes in you. This is the doctor I want to, because that doctor will believe in me and what I can do. Right. This doctor way to save you. Yeah, the doctor could will save you, but you know what? Knows that I tried my best as a companion to help out. And the first doctor they had to create a song screwdriver from scratch. Oh yeah. Uh, Whitaker's uh, sonic screwdriver is was made from hard steel, and basically had to build it on her own. No, the hard steel was was linked to a crystal, and I believe a, a petrified tree. I don't yeah. know. Look, it was weird. I don't know how the sonic screwdriver is made. There's apparently like a sonic pistol and a sonic sunglasses. Realistically, right now, the only person who knows how to make a sonic screwdriver is the doctor. And that sonic screwdriver could be whatever that the doctor wants to put it into. Um, and with this, uh, speaking of like that, the Doctor Who can can gets all over the place. There's audio dramas. Uh, at that uh, before Whitaker's run, um, during David Tennant's run, there was what three different Doctor Who styled shows back to back: Sarah Jane Chronicles, um, and Torchwood, which is literally Torchwood is literally described as Doctor Who but sexier. <laughs> and don't forget class oh yeah and class is also from an episode of Doctor Who and that was during Peter Capaldi that, yeah class comes from Capaldi's end so they have a lot of candidate to go with so Whitaker so, uh, so I want to mention that before we get back to Whitaker on it so Whitaker is their fun and lively for, person for it so interesting enough they introduce another doctor on, during that Whitaker's run which is the fugitive doctor which is for several different episodes, which apparently the Fugitive Doctor is a doctor from Doctor Who's past that the Doctor doesn't remember being this Doctor. Yeah. Like, it, it's, like uh, who are you? <laughs> like, like, it's like Doctor Who's military service, what it feels like. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You're, but didn't I do that as a war doctor? Yeah, he comes later, because chronologically, the Fugitive Doctor, which is the Doctor Who's uh, a soldier writer, this doctor, um, regener- uh, they're not certain where in the timeline it fits for the doctor who as a doctor. But a fugitive doctor is a very important doctor as this is something that the doctor doesn't remember being and has to deal with this problem. With. Now from the fugitive doctor, we go on to the 14th doctor, which is technically the 10th doctor again, which is Tenant again. Um, which confuse a lot of people for coming out because they, uh, from what years I can figure, it was because it was the 60th anniversary, they wanted an, to see if they could get an older do- actor to play Doctor Who, and Tennant is always down to, to be Doctor Who. That's that's Tennant. Ask him to be Doctor Who, he will be Doctor Who, even in a Doctor Who knockoff. That's... It's common knowledge, David Tennant is a Doctor Who fanboy. Oh, yeah. Um, He's so much of a fanboy, he married into it. Yeah. (laughs) He met his wife on an episode of Doctor Who. Who Who is the daughter of a former Doctor Who. Who. Yeah. (laughs) 
I think what was it? I love it. There was a joke uh, where somebody was asking um, the because his, his uh, father in law is the fifth doctor, which was, by the way, Tennant's favorite uh, doctor. <laughs> um, which I think it was funny because he asked him, What's the weirdest thing that you've ever gotten from a fan? A grandson. <laughs> yep. That is awesome. Terrible, but awesome. But yeah, so he got to show up as the 60th anniversary, which is weird because they've already announced who the next doctor is going to be. And the next doctor is going to be... Uh, Shudi Gatwa. Yeah. Which is going to be interesting. So, and unfortunately... Because his episodes haven't shown up yet, I have no idea what this doctor's going to be about. Yet, but wait for two weeks. But is, is that coming out soon? Yeah. Yeah, it's coming out in two weeks. Okay, but yeah, so this is a uh, that's one of the cases for it because the doctors were changing for it. So this means that the uh, as a region, so this brings us to the last couple of doctors on it. So here's where this boils down to. For the series of Doctor Who to keep it going for 60 years plus that it's been going on right now, different series have to find a uh, If you're talking about a long-running show, that's decades-long running show. Uh, to the, the date, right now, that show has the most visual canon for any science fiction show of all time. The only thing that comes close to that is Star Trek. And... They've Star Trek and Doctor Who have been have been going up and down for whoever has the most visual canon. Um, so how do you keep a show going on for uh, for a storyline that's going on for sixty years plus? For different series, they would be like Star Trek, where there's whole new sections of this, but part of the same world or canon. Sometimes we just revisit or re retell the same story over and over again. You'll see that all the time in comics, but for Doctor Who's case. We have regeneration. We change up who the actor is. We change our storylines. We change everything about it. And that allows us to move on to keep the series going. So, and now, if they ever want, as long as there's a, do, a, a need to do a Doctor or Doctor Who, they will always have an ability to make a regeneration to get a new actor and new stories to come in for that. That being said, that's about all I've got, and that's a very, very, very brief way of going through all 15 numbered doctors, yeah. and there's about 19 doctors in total on that. Um. So with that, before I leave, uh, does anybody have any other thoughts on that before we close this out? Oh, I got lots of thoughts, but we don't got the time for that. <laughs> say your piece, sir. Say, yeah. say what you Well, need. no, I just, Doctor Who to me has just been... Having the same person change who they are through obviously their life and react to kind of the same situations because he always comes across the Daleks trying to wipe everybody out. Mm -hmm. Every time he does this, it's a different reaction. The Cybermen want to come in and, and converge everyone, yeah, just like them. Different things and like just how he reacts each time just makes me happy and just the different iterations of him and how they interact, like Capaldi. Comes in on Davros's little uh, machine with tea and just spins around the room mocking the Daleks. It's the funniest thing in the whole world to watch. <laughs> oh, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. like it's just it's amazing. That's why that's why I love this TV series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and each person here would have their own doctor. So yeah, uh, with that, before I close out, um, 
how about you say who's the, how about everybody lets us know who was the first doctor you went with and then who your doctor is. For me, the first doctor I got was, again, the, during the 1996 uh, special for Doctor Who. Didn't understand it as a kid when I watched it, but I still watched it. Thought, all right, this is something or not. But it wasn't until the ninth Doctor, Eccleston. That's my Doctor. That's the one that got me hooked to the series entirely. And that's the one I stuck with. Tenet's fine, but the Y Doctor is probably going to be Eccleston. Um, what about you, Derek? Well, my first time watching it was the Three Doctors episode. So it's kind of hard to say. But I would say the Third Doctor is my first one I watched. Uh, but it's you're, you're making this hard me, man, because <laughs> I love Capaldi so much because just the way he reacts to people it's just so hilarious but i honestly the one who keeps bringing me back is matt smith just his whimsical like we talked about the bow tie the fez uh brought my favorite enemy the silence like that's just hands down the best thing ever and yeah i just that's all i can say all right uh what about you alex um, for, for me, uh, thanks to you introducing uh, ninth and ten, because I just missed eight because, again, I didn't know what was the show about at the time. So, nine and ten were my favorites, and then I went back to the classics. So I, so currently for the classic who, it's five. Okay, and boss, what about you? Uh. Nine is the first one I watched, so he's he's probably my doctor. The the line that really got me hooked on the show was, uh, "Just this once, everyone lives." That's what like really got me hooked. <laughs> oh, on yes. the okay, the I'm in. Like I'm obsessed. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, I, I'm always torn between Matt Smith and Jodie Whittaker, because it's always I had an argument with a friend the other day about this actually of if they were like in the world of pokemon like who would have the harder time picking their starter pokemon <laughs> oh yeah and we decided that matt smith would take three hours to play with all of them <laughs> and would finally leave, he would eventually just leave with none of them because he wouldn't be able to decide but jody on the other hand would spend three hours playing with them and would just take them all home instead yes <laughs> yes but you can only have one. No. No, they're all mine now. Goodbye. <laughs> She'd be like, what is that? And just run. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. And Tenet would want to be the popular one. So Tenet would go butt the oddball out. So we'd get the Pikachu. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, that's about all I've got as far as the Doctors for Doctor Who and their regeneration cycles for it. Doctor Who's an amazing show, and if anybody who's gotten anywhere in science fiction should at least check out a couple, an episode or two. Maybe you'll want to check out the more serialized or sort of classy, wacky adventures of the old Who, something more dramatic or adventurous as the new Who, or... As Derek points out, if you want something that's kind of hilarious, Capaldi, if you want some kind of old, bitter man as your doctor. Um, but there's if you're going to start with a with a doctor, um, then it helps to go right about uh, like the episode after they regenerate or such, because that regeneration process is kind of a you you will always see that in an episode as sort of a feeling of change on that. 
So before I let us go, I think that's it. Anybody else have any last moments about the about regenerations? Oh, I'm good. Thank you. Uh, all right. Said it all. Okay. That being said, this is Gaming Theater Podcast logging out. Bye, everybody. Bye. 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 Gaming Theater Podcast is hosted, created, produced, and edited by Leo Garcia, the Geek Scorpio. Our music is A Drinking Game. Stock media provided by Stormwave Audio slash Pond5. Our cover art is by Adam Parker. You can find him at ParkerGFX on Twitter. If you want to send us some money to help with these episodes, you can do so at Patreon.com slash Gaming Theater Presents. Want to send support that doesn't hit your wallet? Please leave a review with wherever you hear your podcasts and share our podcast with your friends. It really helps out. Thank you for listening.